0: Great guests, great stories, great listening. Voice America, Women's Radio Network.
1: Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone.
2: Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone, Voice America, Women's Network. Soon to be on. I don't think we told people this, uh, Lauren. But, uh, hello, War- <laughs> Lauren. First, <laughs> I have to morning, say hello. Pastor.
3: How are you today?
2: I'm, I'm fine. I guess I'm kind of out of the box, but I, I think uh, I think it's time to announce that we're uh, we're going to the flagship station, Voice America. So uh, you'll be listening to us same time but different day. It's going to be Wednesdays at 10 o'clock Eastern. Uh, and and uh, which is what is seven o'clock Pacific time, so we're going to be on the air same time, flagship station, the the biggie, the big one, and uh, it will be on Wednesdays, and uh, I can't, it's sometime in the middle of November, can't remember. So, did you watch the debate?
3: That's a silly question. I was so <laughs>
2: tired, I forced myself to stay awake till
3: ten thirty last night because I'm in turn Time Zone now. So, yes, I did watch it.
2: I was exhausted, too, because Lauren was here in New York, and she was uh, one of the featured speakers. There were two featured speakers, at uh, a woman of excellence at the big Chamber of Commerce. I don't know. There must have been at least 300 people there, and it was at one of the big hotels in, uh, in the area in New York where we live. And uh, I went to that in the morning, uh, it was at, uh, and then last night I had another event in the same spot place. <laughs> And we had a kind of bow, well, we had a bow out of there at like eight thirty. You know, how do you do that? It's like you know when you. I, I actually told the the person who was the you know running the the uh, the event. I said we have to leave early to see the um, the um, debate, and she said fine because most people will do that. Although most people didn't, so we. I can sneak out. I'm five one. You know, Barry's like six <laughs> feet four, and he's like, how does a six feet four guy. Get up from the table and like and not be seen. But we just we did it so anyway. so easily. So anyway, the debate. And I, too, I was falling asleep. It, it was, uh, yeah, well, uh, all right, tell me what you thought. Um, I didn't have fireworks
3: for him, but I definitely thought Obama did a better job. I thought McCain was really working hard to do some jobs. And um, I heard a great commentator say, He's swung some good punches, but none of them hit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I didn't understand what he's saying. I, I really can't understand his train of thought. I mean, he's speaking... He's all, all this, over the place. Well, he speaks like an ideologue, and I think one of the political pundits said, nobody wants to hear... 20 years ago, maybe that's what people wanted to hear, this ideologue kind of stuff, lower taxes, higher taxes. you got to be real specific now, like... Uh, Barack Obama is, and John McCain just kind of goes, sort of mouths off. You know, I, and he goes from one topic to the next. There's no clear train of thought. It's just like this attack, uh, and it's an attack. It's not aggressive. It's an at- it's, aggression is okay, but this is like an angry attack, which I don't think is effective. That's his. It seems to There's me. A bit of,
3: um, his facial. He didn't have to say anything, and the facial expression seems so sarcastic to me. So I I think we do vote for character. I do. I think that, um, you know, you get a sense of Barack Obama being this good, honest, hardworking, intelligent man. And with McCain, you don't get any of that.
2: And smart and educated and able to think things out clearly and do it on the spot and make some sense of what he has to do. And, you know, when you're dealing with world leaders, which have Barack Obama, they're going to make him angry, but he can't blow up. I mean, as one of our listeners said, and I'm going to quote him, he, John McCain, he mumbles and is angry. He's on the defensive all the time. You can feel him fighting to keep his temper down. Uh, it wouldn't be good to have someone like that as our leader. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's well said, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh,
3: my goodness. So the debate was, those, you know, I was the same old, same old in that McCain, or I'm sorry, That Obama did a great job, I thought, and just, you know, he stayed the course. He continues his
2: message. He's consistent. That's an, that's very important. Yeah, and he didn't start attacking what John McCain wanted him to do to, to attack Sarah Palin. Uh, you know, he brought, what do you think, of what do you? I guess uh, Schieffer asked both of them to describe the why. What, what, I can't remember exactly. Why the is your running mate better than the opponent's running mate? Yeah, right. Okay, so they each described their own running mates and why they were better. Although John McCain, what did he say about her? He never said that she had experience. He never said that she has uh, leadership qualities. He kind of just. What did he say? She. The only thing he said that I heard was he was proud of her about five times, which sounds like a grandfather.
3: Does and then he said that his someone that knows autism better than anybody is Sarah Palin. Well, he made a mistake because she does her baby does not have autism. It's
2: it <laughs> the baby the has Down syndrome. Down syndrome. And the other thing, that you, right? And Lauren, I'm glad you brought that up because you know why. First of all, moms out there and families who have children with special needs
3: know, know the difference.
2: Well, first of all, they if they've had the experience and they are struggling to take care of those children and it is a struggle and it has an enormous impact on the family even if it's not you know, it's financial, it with the other children, emotional, psychological, all of those things. First of all, Sarah Palin has not done as far as I know any work or done anything in terms of specific legislation or with uh, for children with special needs. She hasn't even been in office long enough, 18 months. Uh, number one, and number two, she just gave birth to her baby five months ago, and That's I don't it. think, as far as I can see, he has really been with that baby too much. So I'm not, I don't, he, you know, he, he said, if anyone knows about the struggles or whatever it was or how to, ha- you know, to what, what it's like to have a special needs child, that was a mistake. She just, was mistake. Uh, yeah, I mean, that didn't make mm-hmm. sense. And if I well,
3: had a, it It didn't just not make sense. It was he was diagnosing, not diagnosing, he was labeling
2: the problem wrong. And he labeled the problem, yes, he labeled the problem wrong. You know, he was talking in these kind of generalities. didn't make sense, but I think that was typical of what he was doing all evening. And I'm curious
3: what you thought of Joe
2: the Plumber. Uh, this Joe the plumber thing was ridiculous. I wish both of them actually had stopped talking to Joe the plumber. I mean, that was—I knew—you know—this was McCain's big thing. I, what's the issue? Joe the plumber is now going to make more than the two hundred or two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, so now he's going to have to be taxed. And and there's—and Joe the plumber, McCain says, shouldn't be punished for making more money. Is that it? And yeah, exactly. Being I have to say to. You can't have it both ways, folks. You know, you can't. I mean, somebody has to be taxed. Do they ever talk about what the taxes do for our country, why our country, so up until perhaps the Bush administration has been so uh, such a great place to live in? Taxes pay for our parks and our roads and our bridges and all the other good stuff that we have that we all enjoy. It, uh, it doesn't, makes it America. <laughs> it makes it America. Go to some other countries where they don't tax and where they don't have these uh, advantages. I was going to say. I mean, it's, it's you know our state parks. You want to go camping with your family in the summertime? Well, hey, you know, and you uh, that all has to do with with taxes. So we have to be taxed. It's a question, I guess, of how we get taxed. But you can't be you, you, suddenly then when you become wealthy, you don't want the well-to-do. To, you you don't want the well-to-do to be taxed. I mean, you know, I, I have no real. I don't think that makes sense. What do you think about Joe the plumber? Do you agree with me? I mean, it's crazy.
3: Well, I do think, I don't like how it was, like, I thought Joe the, the plumber, I don't even think he was a real man. I think they were making it up, obviously. But, um, no, they had him
2: on the, he was on the... Uh... Oh, was he a real man? Yeah, he, they were interviewing him
3: this morning on one of the talk shows. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I mean, some guy that was. I just think it was a... You had mentioned him 26 times. I didn't count, but I heard later that they had mentioned him 26 times. So it was a little bit much. But I think their point was is that, you know, Joe the Plumber is middle America and what's going to happen to middle America. But do you think that by now people have made up their minds of who they're going to
2: vote for, or are there still those people out there that don't know? I think most people have made up their minds. I think the same people who have made up their minds, even – Before the debate, it still gets down to that small group of people, those independents or the people who are on the fence. And they may be on the fence until the last minute. I don't know how many of them there are. Um, I know that friends of mine went to New Hampshire last weekend and were canvassing 50 houses in rural New Hampshire. Uh, They were obviously
3: friends of yours and for Obama.
2: And yes, they were doing it for the Obama campaign. Uh-huh. And they targeted those houses that were uh on the fence. Yeah, on the fence. Independent. How
3: did they say it go how did those people like that? How did they say it's going? Well, like- they said it was really yeah.
2: interesting because this was rural America. This is working class and middle class families. Um, tending to be not I guess high school graduates, not necessarily college graduates, but not necessarily poor either. It's, you know, working class and middle class. And they said it was just as you would think about in terms of America. I mean, it ran the gamut from um, one guy who was racist and had a Doberman and chased him off the porch. (laughs) (laughs) It was horrible. Two couples who were clear, one guy, one, uh, one couple, one man in particular, he said, you know, I'm a Republican, I was going to just vote for John McCain. And then he said, but then when he uh, chose Sarah Palin as his running mate, I can't vote for him. I'm voting for Barack Obama. Wow. Yeah, and there were lots of those. So that's a good thing. Uh, Uh,
3: That's great feedback. I'm curious how those, because I imagine that people that are going door to door, and Barack Obama is going door to door, I saw that on the news the other night. He actually showed him going door to door and knocking on doors, which I think is healthy. You know, you get a real sense of the heartbeat of America. And he's getting to know what people are really saying.
2: Yeah, well, uh, well there were couples also. There were couples who were split, which is true, I think, in in, in families. Oh, you, know.
3: you and I have been talking about this Yes. The, I mean, that's a big deal. I mean, I had lunch yesterday with two of my favorite people in the world, and they both are voting for John McCain. See, I don't handle that well. <laughs> I, I have, have a hard time with it. I do, too. It seems like such a... Seems like I don't moral is not the right word, but almost an ethical issue at
2: this point. Well, that's what it becomes. You take it out of the realm of politics, and it does. It's ethical. It's like how can I mean this happened to one of my other girlfriends. She was talking to another her other best friend, and she said they started getting into like not a screaming match, but she's my, my friend is an Obama supporter, and she thought she had convinced her girlfriend to. To vote for Obama, and then she found out that she didn't, and she said they just got into this really kind of nasty dialogue, and she said we had to stop because I st- I want my girlfriend, but it, you know not working out very well. That- so, you really have to be careful. I mean, I, I was in New York a couple days ago, and I I don't I don't care. <laughs> I was at one of those big. Beauty salons on uh, Madison Avenue, and I decided I was going to see, you know, what the response. I had my hair colored, and then I had my hair cut. So I asked the colorist, and I also. Why asked... you the- look so good yesterday? Yes well that was for you my dear. We'll to talk about that when we come back. I didn't want I had to get my hair cut and colored. So and I asked the colorist and I asked the person who's getting my hair cut, you know, cuz they see people all the time, women particularly, what's the what do you get? Uh well it's New York City, so you know, Barack Obama hands down. But my the woman who cuts my hair and she's young in her 30s, she and she's Spanish. She said she said what's disturbing is she said some of the, um the, the the youth uh who are um the, the in New York anyway um she, and this is just her opinion she said but a lot of them the the spanish youth don't vote they feel like their vote doesn't make any difference and she said that's really upsetting i mean uh, this is right. you know th- yeah because that's what matters cuz that's what matters and of course she's like out there trying to get her she's going to make her whole family vote and then try to you know convince the young people that she knows to vote but that's really important that that that's kind of disturbing
3: your vote matters, everybody. <laughs> yeah, your vote
2: matters, and uh, yeah, it's, vote and your conscience.
3: The last election was lost by, it was a, short, a low number of votes, you know, under 10,000, I think, right?
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, we're going to take a break because we have 30 seconds left, but when we come back, I want to talk about uh, what's the chance of Governor Palin becoming president. You're listening to Catherine Zox and Lauren Veller on Voice America Women's Network. Thanks for joining us this morning. We have two guests coming up in the second half hour, so don't go away. We'll be right back.
0: We will beat you over the head with our opinion, and we listen to yours. The new face of talk radio, Voice America, Women's Radio Network.
4: Feeling overworked? Overwhelmed? Do you feel like you could use a getaway right about now? Have we got a show for you. It's called De-Stress Radio, and this show will help you take control of the stress in your life. Join hosts Robin Siegel and Marin Vertock every week. They'll motivate you to attain balance in both your personal and professional life. You'll want to share each episode with those important to you. Listen for De-Stress Radio with Robin and Marin every Wednesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Holistic Health and Well-Being covers many facets, including stress, time management, weight loss, cardiovascular training, and aging. And that's just to name a few. Your Life Without Limits will help to sort it all out for you. Join host Joe Sardi on the top minds in Holistic Health and Well-Being for an educational and entertaining hour. Listen for Your Life Without Limits. Heard every Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network.
0: We talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio.
1: You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788.
2: We're back. I'm Catherine Zox. Thanks for joining us this morning. I'm Catherine Zox with Lauren Beller. I'm your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to Voice America Women's Network. And uh, Lauren and I have been talking about what else, the debate, Barack Obama, John McCain, did you see it? Of course, I don't know how many people saw it last night. But I want to talk about what's the chance of Governor Palin becoming president, because they say, you know, we need to just focus on the president, but I think we need to focus on the team, not just the president, but it's a team that we're getting, Barack Obama and Joe Biden and John McCain and Sarah Palin. So I think we have to look about take a look at some of these teams. And, Lauren, there's a... um, An article by, uh, assistant professor of biology from Brown University, Will Fairbrother.
5: Uh How's that
2: for an Fairbrother? Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, how about that? Anyway, and he, this is a really, I think a very cogent article. It's really good because it really kind of spells out what's the pro, about, you know, what is the process of, um, Picking Not so much the process of picking a vice president, but uh, it's something that we need to think about. If something happens to the president, um, Sarah Palin, or if, if John McCain became president, Sarah Palin would obviously be in line for the presidency. Uh, and in U.S. history, there have been, he, he says, nine cases where a president has been replaced. And, that's a lot. That's a lot. But nine cases, in nine cases where the president has had to be replaced, and in each case – the progression through this line has never gone beyond the vice president. I think it's the Speaker of the House after that, which would be Nancy Pelosi. But uh, but it's never we, we've never gone that far. So we've got at nine times. This is in uh, so he
5: he says in a modern
2: campaign, the presidential candidate is heav- heavily scrutinized during the primaries. Right, the vice president. Is you know generally regarded, and I think this has been the case uh, up until recently, is playing a peripheral role in the voting decision. Uh, vice presidential picks are often described as these are the reasons for picking a vice president. Well, targeted appeals to certain geographical or gender constituencies. Uh, two, a means of uh, offsetting some perceived deficiency of the presidential candidate, or thirdly, simply the candidate who ran second in the primary. Um, The general political wisdom, and I think this is true, if you disagree with me, tell me, is that voters do not regard the vice president as an important factor in voting for a ticket. Uh, And he says, his contention is, well, if that's true, is this a rational way to vote? I I don't think so. Uh, and he says, uh, Professor Fairbrother from Brown University, it may be more reasonable to allow for some consideration of the chance of a vice president actually ascending into office without being directly elected. And then he goes into the calculation, the likelihood of this happening, and uh, if you, you know, it, and he takes this data from the National Center for Health Statistics, and they, they, they actually you know, from a statistical perspective, can estimate that Palin, Governor Palin, is at least seven times more likely than Biden to assume the presidency within, within the first four years of the next president's term. How about that? It makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. And of course, this all has to do with age, mortality rates, all of that. And, and that's what they figured out statistically. So, you know, you better take the vice president as a serious contender.
3: You know, it's interesting to me that um, I lost my train of thought. God, I hate when that
2: happens. <laughs> well, can I help you? I can go on with this and see if you can, <laughs> if you can remember it. Uh, I think, just in conclusion, just one of the things that he said is that, uh, well, he suggests maybe that you should pick, perhaps the practice of choosing the losing candidate from the primary should be mandatory. That's interesting, so that you know that, that the, again? P- Say that again. the it, if you're going to choose the vice president instead of just you know, kind of letting the, the the presidential candidate pick his vice president. Uh, we would get to choose. Well, yeah, because you choose the losing candidate from the primary, and that if and right. uh, that would be mandatory. They would have to do that. I don't know about that idea, though, because
3: I think that it's really important to have the president know choose someone that's at his or her side, that they are able and want to work with. So looking for good dynamic, you know, good working relationship.
2: Yeah, so you have to have somebody you can work with, well. I
3: really do, and I don't think that's up to us to choose. I think it's important for them to choose their own running mate.
2: Yeah. I would so, totally I mean, agree with you. I think that you have to be, but I do think that the emphasis, there has to be more of an emphasis, particularly in this campaign, and I think that a lot of voters, especially those on the fence, think they're just voting or or the John McCain supporters think they're just voting for John McCain and they really don't see them as a team. You've got to look at it as a team. Absolutely. I even think that on the um, Obama-Biden ticket you need to look at it, too. I think that it was a
3: very smart and strategic pick on Obama's part. I I keep thinking about, and I've, I've emailed this and we've talked about this on air before, you know if you were bringing in someone to run a company a big huge company you bring in the young smart intelligent guy but you surround him with a board of directors that's the older wiser group that advises and that's sort of what Obama has done he's put the he's put the um he's, he's put the, the country older and around him <laughs> he's put the country first and he's put wise people around him to help advise it doesn't mean they're going to tell him what to do they're going to advise him he's got a smart head on
2: his shoulders it all comes back to making good choices, to being responsible, to carefully thinking things through, uh, which is what consistently Obama does. Last night in the debate, he talked about uh, when when uh, McCain brought up Bill Ayers and Bill Ayers, and, and even he said, I don't even care about that uh, washed-up terrorist or whatever he said. So he even defeated his own argument from, from the very start. So why does it matter that we even talk about it, Bill Ayers? And I think it. half the country doesn't even know who Bill Ayers is. This was like a half a century ago that this guy was operating, and Obama was only eight years old, and uh, Obama sat on a board with him. The Annenberg, uh, I guess it was an education board that uh, um, that Annenberg sat on that, I mean, all these very influential people sat on, and I sit on boards. I don't know exactly what these people do. I mean, did 50 years ago or 40 years ago, and most boards that I sit on, the people tend to be older. They can be 70 years old. Do I know what they did 40 years ago? I mean, you know, it's ridiculous. But one thing... And you're not in
3: control of that. You're not in control of
2: who's on a board with you. No. And so the... Now, I lost my train of thought. (laughs) (laughs) Catching. So so Obama said... Lauren, so Obama comes back with, I mean, he's just so, he, his ability to really kind of get to the heart of the matter is, he said, well, let me tell you who I do hang around with. Let's put this in the positive. Who I hang around with now. William Buffett, Paul, Voger, uh, all of these, like, very, uh, influential. I mean, so, exactly. High profile, inf- smart people. Exactly, and and so you know that's what he's doing. You know, this is who he would have. These are the people that he would have advising him. These, I mean, he was very clear about that and very forthright. And uh, you know, uh, this this other guy, this uh, the professor from fifty years ago, is not someone who is is going to be advising him. So uh, I thought that was a really important point. I do think that there's a just general difference between
3: the two that's very refreshing for me. That point that you just made is critical. He puts the, uh, he put the, the answer on what we should be focusing, focusing on versus what we should not be focusing on, whereas I think John McCain generally is always in attack mode and fight mode, and I just think that's not the place for our country. That's not where our country needs more of
2: with that split screen thing I mean you really could see the two of them very different different. didn't you find I mean I'm looking at John McCain first of all he looks like the grumpy old man Uh, not look like he is I mean (laughs) he's 72 years old I mean it's not image I mean that's what he. That's the reality. He's 72. He's not 48. <laughs> and, uh, his whole demeanor, his, 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 has that kind of like just, like an attack dog kind of thing. Well, this is not the person I want to have their finger on the button when they get the call at 3 o'clock in the morning or to be, uh, talking to these, our adversaries around the world. Uh, you need a clear thinker, somebody, I mean, you look at Barack Obama and there he is. It's like, hey, we, how can we not elect him?
3: I agree with you I do, and i unfortunately i don't unfortunately, for the sake of radio, I do agree with you. The other thing is that um the, the grumpy old man <laughs> I can't believe you called him that <laughs> the grumpy old man it, it's not the place we want fresh we need new uh, the, oh I know what I was going to say I noticed on c n n the um men are leaning more towards. McCain and women are off the charts supporting Obama. If you were, if I was paying attention to the bottom line on CNN, you know how do you watch the CNN? Where they actually I watch it I watch CNN,
2: MSNBC, everything I can get in my. I don't watch Fox. <laughs>
3: so the point is, is that I really think that it's very interesting to me the dynamics of our country right now. Where I think that more women, generally, I'm speaking generally in general terms, obviously, that women are supporting Barack Obama pretty. Across pretty much across the board, and then you have men that are not supporting him and really supporting more supporting McCain. Do you see that as true statement? Well, no? I,
2: uh, the polls show that more people are supporting Barack Obama across the board, period, because there are, what, 50-50 in terms of men and women. Maybe there are a few more of 52% women. I don't know. But, yes, I think that women uh, generally go towards Barack Obama. Well, listen to what John McCain said last night when he asked about uh, the abortion issue. I mean, boy, he oh, must have... I, I turned to my boyfriend and I said, "You know what? He is going to lose a lot of women on this. Uh, I mean, he, he. I mean, his description of Roe versus Wade, and that in the case, I guess Barack Obama said, you, you know, and he doesn't, he doesn't uh, hear, you know, to uh, partial birth abortions. Of course, except in the case or or third term or third, what is it? Third, se- twice, third semester abortions." But in the case of the health of the mother, obviously he does, or he does. And, and and John McCain goes, well, health of the mother, and then he does that in quotations with his fingers, health of the mother. We've stretched that word health. Isn't that what he said, like to justify having an abortion? I mean, can you That was
3: a bad moment. That was a bad moment for McCain for sure. And I That's, just think that he's definitely losing women there for sure. But, but what I don't understand is why men don't disagree with that.
2: I think some men do I think women feel it viscerally I mean because you feel it yourself you don't want your daughter to be in that position oh my God. I mean, that you're questioning that 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 she's you know exaggerating her health so that she would have to to go through with some you know having a, 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 you know a child that would kill her or you know what it, it's like it, or they think of their mothers their grandma I mean, you can identify with it I mean it's 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 certainly a woman's issue and I think that he really put his foot out on that one I think he really really alienated a lot of women. Um to me, that is
3: that issue is an important issue, but even more importantly, it helps me know how people think generally about other people. And that's the biggest point for me here is that how do these both these candidates think about other people from a compassion standpoint, from a putting them in a situation that empowers them versus disempowers them. And that to me is what government needs to be doing is empowering people and giving them the tools and the programs to empower them, not disempower them.
2: Well, the difference between running a negative and a positive campaign, I think, you know, really points out exactly what you're saying. I mean, Barack Obama has run a positive campaign. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. Let me tell you who I hang out with. Well, you know, it's all in the positive. McCain's all in the negative. It's all, you know, it's, it's nasty. Anyway, 30 seconds to go. Our music's going. we got to say, uh, we're going to take a break just for a couple minutes, but Lauren Beller, Catherine Zox will be back in a few minutes, so don't go away. Voice America Women's Network, The Catherine Zox Show.
0: Radio that informs, entertains, and enlightens you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. Today's professional woman is confronted by outrageous advertising and cultural pressures that assume how a woman should look and behave. The show Women, Food, Sex, and Power, Rekindling Your Fire will finally challenge these seriously flawed assumptions and discuss daring alternatives. Join host Bethany Gagné for an authentic reflection of the modern woman every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: Hey, y'all. This is Stephen Cochran. As a country artist, I have traveled around this great country of ours, often meeting our brave men and women in uniform. And as a Marine and veteran of both the Iraq and Afghan conflict, I know how important it is to thank our troops who defend our freedom each and every day. One of the best ways to thank them is to give their children and spouses the gift of education. Scholarships for two years, four years, and vocational school. This is exactly what a national charity, Thanks USA, does. Please go to their website, www. Dot .thanksusa.org to make a generous donation to the Thanks USA Scholarship Fund for the families of the troops and I thank you.
0: Finally, radio that was made just for you. Voice America Women's Radio Network.
1: You're listening to The Catherine Zock Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788.
2: Welcome back to the Catherine Zox Show. And thank you all for joining us this morning on Voice America Women's Network. I am Catherine Zox. I'm your social worker with the microphone. And my co-host is Lauren Beller. And joining both Lauren and me is Dr. Amy Wexler. She's author of The Mind Beauty Connection, Nine Days to Reverse Stress Aging and Reveal More Youthful, Beautiful Skin. What, nine days? Boy, (laughs) that's great. Uh, Did you know that stress can age your skin three to six years? Actually, yes. Yes, I did. And what's your skin age? I guess you can take a test for that. Uh, welcome to the show. Dr. Rexler is also, she's a dermatologist and a psychiatrist, great combination, and uh, practices dermatology in New York City. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, Doctor. Thanks for having me. Okay, so, well, this, I mean, I know that stress ages you because I'm of that generation. I can see it in my skin. You are so right. Uh, <laughs> so how does it age us, though? So, let's go through the process because it is a scientific scientific fact, and you say this in your book, motion, sleep deprivation, what else? Well, what happens when we're under
6: chronic stress is that the stress hormone, the major one being cortisol, is made at a really high level. And cortisol, it turns out, breaks down collagen, and that causes wrinkles. Uh, Cortisol also causes pimples and all sorts of other inflammation in the skin and the rest of the body. And so if we can turn the volume down, on the amount of cortisol that we're producing, we can heal those wrinkles and those pimples and the dry, irritated skin.
2: But, okay, Dr. West, so how do we do that? Because as you say, you know, we have, most of us, uh, if not all of us as adults have these high-pressure schedules uh, we do, you know, we have family pressures, household hassles, yes. career demands, and now—I mean, this fits right into financial concerns. I mean, exactly. most people that I know, they are upset, if not depressed, they are stressed out. This cortisol that you're talking about—I yes. mean—is really going to have an impact on their skin. It really is, and of course, there's no way to get rid of stress in
6: general from people's <laughs> lives, but but there are ways to stop that cortisol production, and it could be. a Straightforward is getting an hour of sleep extra, or a couple of hours of sleep extra a night. I mean, a, I'm sorry, a night, a week. And I don't know about you. I'm a I'm a working mom, and at night after the kids go to sleep, it's a great time to get stuff done and work. And I just have to be more disciplined about going to sleep a little bit earlier. And you see that on your skin. When we're sleeping, cortisol's at its lowest, and the endorphins, which are those healing molecules, they're They're the feel-good hormones, but also they're anti-inflammatory, are at their highest. So sleep is very important,
2: but also... So you're just talking about, and we want to reiterate that because that's important. It's not a big thing if you're just saying one hour more a week. I mean, I don't know how that, because I'm not good at math, but how that plays out in terms of seven days, but not too much. I mean, just a few minutes more every night, right? Exactly, and the the goal is for everyone to try to sleep seven
6: to eight hours a night But for a lot of people, that's not possible. But if you start adding an hour a week, most people can add three to four hours a week if they really focus on it. But just start slowly. There's no rush. And it just means, you know, turning off your computer, your
2: Blackberry, your cell phone, or the news, you know, 15 minutes, 30 minutes earlier. That, that's my problem. i tell you what I do. This is really bad. And, I mean, I turn on the television when I get in bed and watch right. the news. I mean, how more stressful can that well, be? Well, I think that's
6: very activating, right?
2: That's not a great idea before you're trying to fall asleep. <laughs> it's definitely not the thing to do. So, okay. No, um, it would be
6: great to read a novel for 10 or 15 minutes.
2: Yeah, and then you just kind of, that lulls you into just falling asleep. I think that's true. Okay, so what else can we do? Okay, just one hour a week. More sleep than you're getting, and you should be getting, you say, seven to eight hours of sleep. Exactly. Okay. So what Um, else can we do?
6: Well, simplify your skincare routine. So, I'm asking people to do less, not more. And a lot of my patients, they're using 10, 12 products on their. That takes a long time. It's complicated. And often it's irritating their
2: skin. And so. it's done out of desperation, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a desperate measure. So, let's hear something that's, that's, that's uh, more, more practical and that's going to really work. Well, the three most essential skincare products are a uh, mild, gentle cleanser,
6: a good moisturizer, and a good sunscreen. And that sunscreen should be worn really every day with a minimum SPF of 30. And everything else is sort of extra. You know, if you need to exfoliate or use a toner once in a while, fine. But all of those extra products just usually add more expense and more time you know, a day that doesn't have it usually.
2: Um, are there certain products, though, Dr. Wesley, that we sh- that you know, I mean, some of this stuff you look on the labels, I do anyway, just like I do on the food labels, sure. and I look at the labels on some of this stuff and it looks to me like there's all these chemicals. I'm not sure which ones they are. I know I'm allergic to perfume, so I have to eliminate those. Me too. But are there anything that we should look for in the products themselves that maybe we should stay away from? Well, Ingredients again, fra- wise.
6: I mean, fragrance for sure for a lot of people
2: can be irritating. There's not one
6: ingredient that I want everyone to stay away from. But what happens sometimes, a lot of people and adult women have acne still. And so they're buying over-the-counter acne products, which have active ingredients, either benzoyl peroxide or salicylic acid. shouldn't use more than one product that contains those two ingredients because it can be drying. So it's benzoyl peroxide and salicylic acid. And they're in a lot of cleansers and treatments and moisturizers if you're acne prone and buying acne products.
2: I don't have acne. Uh, you know, that's interesting. Acne I always associated with teenagers, actually, but I, I guess that's not true. You're saying adult women also have acne? What, what are the, the two main skin problems, or, or three, or are there, you know, that uh, most adult women have besides the acne? The dry skin? I have the dry skin. Acne,
6: dry skin, and
2: wrinkles. But 54% of women
6: over the age of 30 have acne still.
2: Well, I have two out of three <laughs> <laughs> no,
6: Winkles,
2: so and, wrinkles, and, and, and I just—I met a girlfriend of mine in New York. I was in the city the other day, and she has—and I don't know if this is a specific kind of problem—but she has sure. those wrinkles right across her forehead that just sort of developed overnight. The you horizontal
6: know, the, lines or the vertical lines?
2: The the uh, the horizontal lines. Mm-hmm.
6: She's she's probably overusing her. It's called the frontalis muscle when you raise up your eyebrows,
3: and, and, and that's if what, you. She raises her eyebrows
6: too much, <laughs> probably, and over, and she's probably not sleeping enough, and maybe she's not relaxing or
2: well, she's not relaxing. Or... That's all of the things that you say now, she suffers from the same, just what you're describing, what you describe right. in your book, all the stuff, family pressures, right. financial, the whole thing, and it shows, as you say, it shows the horizontal lines in her forehead. But you say uh, now, how do you this? If you follow what you've just been telling us, is there yes. another thing that we need
6: to do? There are a few things to do. One step that I really like, I call it go green, which is really about just getting outside during the day. I don't know about you. I live and work in Manhattan. It's very urban. And if I didn't focus on it, I could be indoors for 24-7. But not only does it feel relaxing to get outside for five or ten minutes and see the sky and see trees, but there's good studies to show that physiologically your body is relaxed, meaning the cortisol is really low, and, and you sort of
2: reset it and get to take a break if you can do that during the day. And the I think you minute. can. I think that's so important. I totally agree with you. I said. I said, I was in Sydney the other day, right. had my hair cut and colored on Madison Avenue, and I made a point to walk back to the train station, which was, you know, what, 30 the Penn blocks? Penn Station? Wow. Yeah. It's a nice and walk. So I was going green, right? I went outside. You I didn't were. take a cab. Yeah, that, that's good stuff. Okay. I, the mind, the beauty, do we have to go off at 40? I think you were... Uh, the Mind Beauty Connection, Nine Days to Reverse Stress, Aging, and Reveal More Youthful, Beautiful Skin. And, Dr. Wexler, we can get this uh, your book online, right, bookstores everywhere?
6: Yes, and for more information, you can go to the realage.com website where you can take a more interactive version of my skin
2: age test, which is in the book. Oh, I have to take that skin age test. <laughs> then I have to come see you as a psychiatrist, not as a dermatologist.
5: <laughs>
2: it's one-stop shopping in my office. <laughs> exactly. I love it. Dr. Amy Wessler, thanks so much for being on the show today.
6: Thanks, Catherine. Have a good day.
2: All right. You too. Yeah, yeah. Great book. I mean, uh, you haven't reached that point yet, Lauren. Well, you know what? This is the time to do preventative kinds of stuff. I was going to say, Lauren, because you're like just over that 40. Um, for me? Yeah. Amy? Yeah. Am, am I talking to Amy or am I talking to Lauren? I'm right. I'm
6: I, still here, Catherine. Oh, you Amy. are. Well, you can
2: stay on. Yeah. They oh. told me you had to get off at at forty, but we go to forty five. So. Oh, I'm you happy to talk- stay on. Okay. Good. Great. All right. So, as I, well, I, as we ended the show, I said I need to come to you as a psychiatrist <laughs> and a dermatologist. But <laughs> well, but what, what def- you're
6: saying about I mean, I see women in their twenties. It turns out that the twenty year old segment of women, they are buying anti aging products at the fastest rate. And really? why is that happening? I think that 20-year-olds are just also burning the candle at every end, and they're not sleeping enough, and they're working so hard, and they're starting to see signs of aging sooner than we did when we, when we were their age.
2: And I think this is so much better, because I really believe in what you're saying, and then, you know, the, well, the, all the plastic surgery stuff, because women are starting to have plastic surgery on their faces at age 32. At 30, and not 30 also, 30 and 35, but... If you follow, like, you know, the, the what we've talked about on the show and what's in the sure. book, you probably won't need plastic surgery, maybe. At the, I agree with you. Isn't that true?
6: Yeah. I, I definitely agree with you. And also if, you know, sunscreen and staying out of tanning salons and not smoking, all the things that are just really wreaking havoc on our skin, young
2: people are still doing all that stuff. So, Yeah. Uh, so it is important. Uh, and and I, I'm like, I would never, myself, I don't want to go under the knife. It scares me. I don't know about you, Lauren, but uh, I... I'm, you're not i'm not going to do that no way no, not unless i have not unless they forced me to but i for elective <laughs> surgery, i'm not doing it i would rather follow your uh prescription, which i love and you i do. will mention it could you have a website too not just to, you have I a doctor, do yeah it's,
6: it's dr amy dot yep should i spell it out mhm- go ahead it's d r a m y and then it's wechsle dot com okay.
2: So if listeners went to your website and they wanted yep. to make an appointment and wanted to see you, can they do that through the website or do they have to call your office?
6: They have to call the office, but the, all the office information is on the website.
2: All right. Terrific. Great. Now we'll say goodbye. Okay.
6: <laughs> all right. It's
2: <what's laughs> a pleasure. Yeah, this is a pleasure. Great. Thanks so much. Thanks for uh, having me. Yep. Dr. Amy Wexler, yeah, she's great, and boy, does she have the credentials. I mean, that's what you need, dermatology and psychiatry, right?
3: Love that combination.
2: Yeah, and she's young, and she, you know, and and I think that, I have to say, Lauren, it's so true, I notice these young women, 20s, 30s, um, you know, buying all the, you know, just under so much stress, and more stress than, say, even 20 or 30 years ago, because they're work, well, you know this, working with kids, work balance, all that kind of stuff, and it's not easy, and it does show on your skin. It definitely does. Not yours, but...
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I agree with you. I have my, The nanny for my daughter is um, 29 years old, and she freaks out over her skin all the time. She's always buying something special for the, you know, rub on this part of her body and rub this on another part of her body. It's just, and I'm looking at her like she's crazy. I'm one of those people that she just described. You know, I wash my face with a nice cleanser. I put a little moisturizer on. That's about it. I don't do the um, sunscreen, but I
2: probably should. Yeah, and the sunscreen, you can get this, the, this uh, Keels has this great sunscreen that you can put on that isn't li- that, uh, it doesn't feel like sunscreen or smell like it, it just seems like it's a nice cream to put on your skin. I started doing that, especially on my nose, because my nose sticks out. <laughs> I have a big nose that gets red, so I've noticed that and it gets blotchy and stuff, so I, I do put that on my nose. Uh Do some of that. Yeah, we have, to, have to take a short break. Lauren Beller, Katherine Sox. We have our next guest Ned Martel, deputy editor of uh Vogue Men's Vogue magazine. So, don't go away. We'll be back in a minute.
1: Hey, Ranger, why do you have to remind people to be careful with fire?
4: Well, Mr. Mountain Lion, sometimes people need to be reminded about certain things, like not to run with scissors or let children play with wild dingoes, and to be responsible for fires, they start. So what you're saying is that people can be careless and forgetful? Pretty much. <laughs> that makes me very sad. Sounds like someone needs a hug.
1: Back over, I'll turn your hat into confetti! Remember, only you can prevent wildfires. A public service message from Smokey Bear, the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ag Council.
0: Experts say everybody is addicted to something. Did you know that addiction affects about 15% of our country's middle class population? How many people do you know who are dependent on some kind of substance? Would you guess your friends, your neighbors? How about your family? You may be surprised. Many of us live with chronic pain, which has made us drug dependent, prescription drug dependent. Others struggle with alcohol, methamphetamine, and cocaine addiction. Do you have a chronic pain problem? There is another way out. Tune in each Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for a new prescription for health with Dr. Richard Graser on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Great guests, great stories, great listening. Voice America, Women's Radio Network.
1: You're listening to The Catherine Zock Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome
2: back to The Catherine Zock Show. I'm your social worker with a microphone here on Voice America Women's Network and uh, with my co-host, Lauren Beller. Joining Lauren and me this morning is Ned Martell. Ned has been with Men's Vogue since it was launched in 2005, and as an editor-at-large, he regularly reports on topics including entertainment and politics. Uh, recently, Mr. Martel spent the last six months touching down on Barack Obama's campaign trail, and that's what the current uh, October cover story is devoted to. So, welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning. Ned, you're going to give us an insider's view of Barack Obama.
7: That's right, Catherine. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here.
2: Lauren and I love Barack Obama.
7: <laughs> you do. <laughs> well, I hope you learned a little bit about him in, in our new issue. He's, you can see him a little bit up close and in a... In a day-to-day way. Rather right, we've than seen
2: him up close and personal, so tell mm-hmm. us about that stuff, because we all we've seen, you know, we obviously the debates, and it's just what we read and what we see, but you know the real personal Barack, so give us the inside story on that.
7: That's right. We, we did a story about Barack Obama in our third issue in the fall of 2006, so it became, that's where he first mentioned in any media that he was considering running for president, and then, t- so we thought two years later it'd be worth uh, a a look to see how far he had gone in that short amount of time, and uh, you know when you're. I joined the the press corps that travels with him every day, and uh, I spent about a week a month for seven months, going everywhere from you know Portland, Oregon to Beckley, West Virginia, Fayetteville, North Carolina, Bangor, Maine, and then Berlin and Jerusalem even, and you know over the same uh, over all these places the same guy shows up every day. He is very consistent. Uh, he has the same message for large crowds and small, and it's part of a very controlled personality. You know, if you hear what people said about last night's debate, it's become clear that you know he really has, is a man of great restraint and uh, doesn't sort of project any temperature, um, either you know happy or you know he's, he's, he's good natured, but he, he, he never is quite angry or. Uh, sarcastic. He's just this even presence, and that's what yeah, it was like up He has like this kind post. of
2: even-tempered way, coupled with the eloquent, eloquent way in which he speaks. You know, it, it's, uh, to me, it's not just that he's even-tempered. It also has to do with his presentation in terms of his substance and what he has to say, too. Is that the same when you're on the plane with him, having it's breakfast or lunch or dinner?
7: It's true. I mean, you know, he's, he's not the kind of candidate who comes back and uh, he'll, he'll come back and talk to the press You know, more regularly than has been portrayed, but he's not one of those candidates who comes back and sits on your lap. Like, you know, (laughs) John McCain, when we uh, I discovered his campaign eight years ago and visited with him two years ago in the Senate, he was, you couldn't get enough of him, and he would just talk and talk and talk about all the backstage machinations of politics. And it was so exciting because you would understand people and motives and process in a way you couldn't even while you're covering it uh,
2: yeah, you're talking about what's interesting you said what was it how many years ago you interviewed john mccain john mccain to me seems like he's old hat he's like an old guy you know it's if it were 20 years ago you know he might have something to say but it seems like we've been there we've done that we don't need that anymore the world has changed
7: he was an electrifying presence when he first came on and that's sort of the conclusion of this piece that this is our visionaries issue the october issue and He was the first visionary uh, candidate or politician of this new century, and now Barack is clearly the next, and the question is, is now Barack's time or not? And, uh, you know, is McCain, does he still have a chance uh, in presenting his ideas that we've Become familiar with over the ten years he's been so well. Okay,
2: but Ned, I want to know because you were with him. I like to know the personal stuff. Can you tell us anything that we don't know about Barack? I mean, you, what well, you and I've been talking about, it. we we do see. I see it at least. Sure. I don't think I'm the only one. But <laughs> you see that presence when you see him debate, and you see that presence when you see him talking to a crowd at his rallies. But what? Give us some personal. Can you give us? Some, yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah.
7: So uh, he uh, he likes his iPod, and when he's sort of gathering his stuff at the end of the day, he'll do this little head jut to the music. And I asked him what the music was one day, just a random sample. It was Miles Davis kind of blue, um, the Talking Heads from the 80s, and Jay Z. Those are just what he said that I definitely were, he had heard those that day.
2: Well, good for him because I love Miles Davis. Yeah. Right, so we- he <laughs> he
7: certainly pines for his wife and kids. That you, you can tell how much his mood lifts when he gets to spend time with them, as he did when we were in Oregon. The kids came out because their cousins had recently moved there. And uh, it was amazing. Like, at one point, we were at this little ice cream parlor sitting outside at a picnic table. They were sitting. We were, surrounded, uh, we were surrounding them like a media scrum. It was really odd and surreal. And they were having a literal, like, around-the-kitchen-table kind of conversation about his brother-in-law's new house. Uh, whether the kids have been squabbling with their cousins, whose personality matches whose? Uh, so all old... the family
2: stuff. Well, do you think Ned, because he grew he grew up, but he didn't grow up. This is his uh, his family of uh, procreation. Uh, his, he has a wife and two daughters. Yeah. So I mean, he must. Have, do you think he has a lot more empathy or understanding about women's issues because he, you know, that's his family makeup?
7: I think so. You know, he was raised by a single mom and a very uh, headstrong and professionally successful grandmother, who was sort of the breadwinner in that family, and then he had a half-sister. So he had had a lot of women in his life and continues to to be that way. And his uh, mother-in-law is, in fact, the secondary caregiver for those kids. So when he and Michelle have schedules that take them out of Chicago, the kids are are supervised by his mother-in-law.
2: So if he has to deal with his... Raised by his mother... Deal, he his, Now he has his mother-in-law, his his wife, and his two daughters. If he can handle that, Ned, he can handle anything.
7: I think so. And, you know, <laughs> that is what, what one of the things that we heard on the campaign behind the curtain, you know, backstage. They were saying that Michelle is such a strong personality that it wasn't quite reading well with the crowds. Like, I remember hearing her in Pennsylvania, and she had come under some criticism about, whether or not she was in touch with the American people. And, it's, you know, one of the, at the time, Hillary was the main opponent in her. Uh, her campaign was suggesting that both both the Obamas were sort of elitist. And you would hear Michelle say, maybe I'm out of touch, but, and then she would refute one specific uh, about the way the economy was going, the way the American culture was uh, in some sort of problem. She would identify a problem and use that, Maybe I'm out of touch, which is a little sarcastic. And the phrase we heard backstage was she was a little hot on the mic.
2: Well, she's not running for president, but uh,
7: she certainly uh, contributes to the, camp, uh, the efforts in the she campaign. Says, well, campaign I want to talk about this,
2: but let's talk. What do we mean by elitist? I mean, don't we want the smartest person in the room to be our leader, or do we want uh, my next door neighbor, who's president of the PTA, to be a leader? I don't. I mean, I've been on. A, I've been a swimming mom and a soccer mom, and quite frankly, neither I nor uh, any of my friends I'd like to see as you know as a leader. I mean, we need elitist can be. It, it, that's kind of like a negative. It sounds negative, but it can be very positive. Someone can it? Was,
7: it? it was a surprisingly effective charge that the uh, uh, the Hillary Clinton campaign and later the L- L- McCain campaign have used against both of them. And one of the things that Michelle will say sort of in their defense is that they really came from nowhere. I mean, she, ha- she was raised in a two-bedroom apartment in the, su- in the south side of Chicago. Her father was a civil servant and, uh, you know, one income. And then he, of course, was raised by the single mother. And And John McCain came from a very
2: elite background. His father was an admiral and his grandfather was an admiral. You can't get more elite than that.
7: They were not moneyed, though. I mean, they were, uh, you know, admirals are public servants and they were not uh, extremely wealthy, and was No, a lot but of I've spent some time with admirals,
2: and and you, if you go on a base where the admiral is the head of the base, believe me, they're treated with not money in the sense of Warren Buffett, but certainly in terms of advantages and respect, and
7: you're
5: right. wait on culture. them
2: and bow and kowtow them, and that's the kind of background he grew up in. I would say, there's McCain. nothing
7: more elite than an officers' club, is there? Yeah,
2: <laughs> and yeah. It, it, that's right, exactly, and especially if, if you're you know, the son of the admiral. So you know, but I think the point that you made is is, is Really, it. I mean, they both grew up in very um, humble means and and worked to get for intellect and hard work to get to the position that they're in. Both Obama and Michelle
7: and McCain. I would say McCain has 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 worked really hard um, uh, to get where he is, and I think there's a lot to be said for that kind of career and that kind of dedication to public service. That he also, and you hear it from both candidates, which is encouraging, that they want young people to be as inspired. To serve their country as they are.
2: Well, that's a good note to leave on because we've got about forty seconds left, so we'll leave it with that. Uh, Deputy Editor Ned Martell of uh, Men's Vogue, and uh, great, it, uh, really nice having you on the show today. We learned a lot, got a little more of the upfront and personal of Barack Obama and John McCain. And
7: there'll be more details if you get a chance to pick up the magazine. A lot of a lot of readers of, of Vogue find that they like Men's Vogue. Uh, Equally. So there's there are men and women who are, can find things on our page. All
2: right, so we'll give you a chance. <laughs>
7: I
5: appreciate that. <laughs> men's
2: Vogue. Okay, ladies, pay, pick up Men's Vogue as well as, as Women's Vogue. Anyway, we have to say goodbye. Lauren, I'm going to say goodbye to you. And, uh, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, every, uh, you've been listening to Catherine Sox and Lauren Beller, Voice America Women's Network. Hope you had a great time. We did. Have a great day, and uh, we'll see you next week.